Hey, everybody, welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty barbering and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry, offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I have with us one of those brilliant professionals, um, somebody who's known all across the world in our industry as um, one of the, I would say, premier coaches, and also really a thought leader in business and best practices. He is um, known online as Grow My Salon Business, uh, GrowMySalonBusiness.com and across social. And he is someone I've done many podcasts with, and I'm honored to have him for his first podcast with BeautyCast Network, and that is Anthony Whitaker. Hi, Gordon. It's fantastic to be here on this uh, new podcast venture of yours. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Same, same as well, always, Anthony. And, and uh, as you know, we do about 30 minutes here, so you and I like to talk. So we're, we're going to jump right into it. <laughs> the first question I ask every guest is, is to give um, best advice that anybody's ever given you. Well, there's one that at the time it was said to me, I won't say I found it offensive, but it did annoy me. Um, and it was a, a business coach I had. I'd already opened a salon for the first time. And I'd never met this chap before. And I sat down with him to uh, have, a, have a meeting, basically, to see if he was someone I could work with. And he said, so tell me about your business. And I said, well, I opened my first salon and, and then he stopped me before I could finish the sentence. And he said, let me just stop you right there. You didn't open a salon. He said, you opened a business that happens to do hair. And when he said it, it really annoyed me because I, 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 you know, I just sort of felt that like, you know, calm down. You're just, that's just a play on words. You're just trying to be clever. Uh-huh. But you know what? Like the longer I've been in this industry, the more those words have rung true. That you didn't open a salon, you opened a business that happens to do hair. And so I think it's a great bit of advice. And it's a bit of advice that I certainly don't mean it in an offensive way to anybody, but um, it, it's an important um, mental shift about how you look at your business. And you know, to, to his point, you know, if, if we think about the larger world of small businesses, and we, I think you and I watch other industries to kind of to learn from them, you can see so clearly the commonalities, see the, the, the need as a small business person to understand a P&L, the, the need as a small business person to understand what marketing is really about. And then, of course, you take these ideas and you, you make them fit into the industry that you're working in. So, you know, brilliant advice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've often over the years had people in my audience who come up to me in the break or at the end and they'll, they'll say to me, you know, look, I'm not a hairdresser, uh, but I've come here with my fill in the blank, you know, wife, partner, husband, whatever. And everything you've spoken about is just as relevant to me and my business as it is in the salon industry. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask them what they do and they could be anything, like literally anything. So, um, yeah, I, I think it does, you know, the business is business regardless of what you're in. And there's so many things that, you know, cross over from one business to the other. And our product or service happens to be hairdressing. But, you know, it's that whole thing that just because you're good at doing hair doesn't mean you're going to be good at running a business that happens to do hair. And business is the platform that allows you to do hair as a living, right? If there's no business, there's, you know, it's hair, hairdressing becomes a hobby. And so the security of that business, the, the stability of that business is essential. 
And it kind of leads to what I want to talk with you about today, because, you know, we we both know that in, in our industry, it's kind of a given that, that you have to learn certain things to do hair well. And, and people talk about it, especially when they think of the home hairdresser. It's like, oh, you shouldn't do that because you don't know these certain things. And it's a given that these are the things you must learn to do hair. You and I talk about, you know, the need that they're... To, to understand certain things to run a business, to operate a business, to be in business, um, or even even when you think about your own career, you know, to think of it from a business perspective. So I, I want to kind of talk through what kind of high level, what some of those kind of buckets of, of knowledge are that someone should understand before they even think about actually opening a salon or, or, or a studio. When you sort of said to me, that's what you wanted the discussion to be, the very first thing I thought of is, oh, just like Germany. Because in Germany, you you can't um, open a salon uh, unless you are either a Meister yourself, um, which is a, a German word for master craftsman. So you mm-hmm. either have to be a Meister yourself or you have to employ a Meister. Mm. And um, so every salon has a Meister in. And, uh, you know, whether they are or aren't a hairdresser. But if you're a hairdresser, you do your, you know, your three-year apprenticeship to train as a hairdresser. And then after that, you do additional training and an examination, which can, you know, require a couple of years of, uh, uh, you know, work and experience before you can even sit that examination. Now, I'm not saying that that is the 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 right way to do it. I'm not. I don't see any evidence that it makes salon owners in Germany superior to anywhere else in the world. But and and Germans do love a a, a regulation. But it, it's it's at least an interesting concept to acknowledge that there is a there is a a point of difference between being someone who works behind the chair and someone who owns a business. And in order to own that business, you have to do a further level of training, which in theory, I think is very definitely a good thing. Um, so, you know, back to your, back to your, you know, original question, what are some of the things that you should have to learn if you're going to open a business? I think that there's a, a list of stuff that is, um, you know, legal requirements, which can all be a little bit dull and boring, but obviously, aside from those things, so things like, you know, legal uh, licensing and permits for, you know, whatever you're going to open and wherever it's going to be, the health and safety aspect, the cosmetology license, the building codes, you know, things around waste disposal and environmental things, and obviously insurances. And none of that is particularly fun and sexy and creative. But the fact remains that if you're going to open a business, then a lot of the stuff that goes with being in business uh, is not particularly fun and sexy and uh, and creative. Uh, but you need to, you know, go in with eyes wide open and recognize that. And let me just add to that, Anthony, you know, I, I cannot count the number of, of- People I've known in the industry over the years who had a regulatory hang-up on their opening, who got stuck. And the next thing you know, you're hearing, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to survive the four-week delay. I, I don't have enough cash. I don't have this, that, or the other. And I have a, a, a little dog grooming place across the street from where I live, and she's in that situation. She didn't understand building inspection uh, to open her business. So it's a big deal. It's boring, but it's big. It is. It, it is, exactly. And uh 
you know, there, there's so many people in our industry that are led to believe that, you know, anyone can do it and it's easy. And it sort of is easy and anyone can do it. But that's what also makes it dangerous to whatever degree that, uh, you know, you can end up losing a lot of money and stuff in the process, you know, and there's plenty of people that have uh, have experienced that. So I think that, that the first thing to sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, phrase everything around is that there's businesses and there's businesses, meaning that if you've transitioned from being an employee to a booth renter, well, a booth renter is a business unit of one. You are self-employed. And that level of responsibility and uh, accountability changes as soon as that happens. And then if you go from the booth renter to being a suite owner, then that level of um, responsibility and accountability changes even more. And then if you go from a suite owner to being a, a, a salon owner that employs other people or has other people that are in there renting, then that's another step again. And then if you go the next level, which is, I suppose, the final level to some degree, is being a bona fide salon owner with employees. The, the point is, is that at each level of that journey, what you need to know changes. And um, it's important that if you're going to go into business, that you understand that with that freedom, which is what so many people are looking for of opening a business of their own, freedom and control, that with that freedom and control comes responsibility and accountability. And at each level, the potential for reward increases, but also the risk increases and the responsibilities increase, whether we're talking about legal or moral or financial. And, you know, so, so a lot of it would be around the financing for me at the beginning that to recognize that there's a huge responsibility to be a good steward of the money that's flowing through the business and to learn to manage it properly. Because I think that's where a lot of people, you know, come unstuck, that they they don't understand that that their job is to be a steward of the money that's flowing through the business and to be able to manage it properly. And so, you know, these different levels of responsibility are, are what um, are increasing with each level of business ownership, the responsibility to others, the responsibility to train others. And once you've got a salon with employees, the responsibility also to get other people busy. So, you know, in terms of what we might require for someone to be an owner, the answer to the question differs depending on whether you're talking about owner of a, of a suite or owner of a job as in a renter or being a proper business that employs staff and in, intends to expand. And I suppose the reality is that that, that is the journey for a lot of people. And uh, so they dip a toe in the water at the beginning and um, you know, eyes wide open, move forward and constantly be you know, looking at what you need to do to um, expand and improve your business acumen because uh, you need to as the shape of your business starts to evolve. Big picture, these these kind of buckets of of, of you know, the topics that are, that are really important, and and depending to your point of of the direction you choose to go at, from an ownership perspective, you know the what's in the bucket, you know, may be a little bit different. But that regulatory thing is such a good example. You you go become a renter, you need to very quickly understand the tax implications, the filing implications, the forms you got to fill out as a renter. 
as a salon owner, you, you also have to get your building inspector. So, you know, each level has some different requirements, but they all have legal requirements. And it's important to know money is kind of this similar. You talk about the money coming in. Let's not forget about the money you need to have in your bank account before the money starts coming in because you have to you have to create your business, right? You you perhaps have to put deposits down depending on the size of your business. If it's a suite, it's different than a building that you own or a building that you're going to own the business that's inside of that building. But 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 the topics are the same, right? So what topics can we add to that? And then let's dig into those a little bit. Well, I think the financial thing is you know what underpins it all, as you just alluded to, um, that that people, so many people are driven to you know being independent, you know being a suite owner, a booth renter, whatever, because uh, you know they think they're going to make a lot more money, and some of them do, uh, but many of them don't. But but regardless, you are a business unit of one, which goes right back to that thing I said at the beginning about you didn't open a salon, you opened a business that happens to do hair, and so you know you need to learn some of the financial skills of business, and you need to be able to understand the language of business. And, you know, a, again, that, that's not necessarily the fun, sexy, creative side of why people go into business, but you, you need to understand what profit is. You need to understand yes. what the difference between, you know, gross profit and net profit is. You mentioned before about a profit and loss. You need to understand how to read a profit and loss and what is cost of goods or cost of sales and what are fixed costs and variable costs. And you need to understand how to work out your break-even point and, you know, what is pricing. And pricing. No yeah, exactly. Huge. Yeah, pricing. And as you touched on taxes, what, what taxes are you going to be liable for? You know, so, you know, that that sort of thing. Often when I'll talk to salon owners, big or small about that, They'll straight away default to, well, I'm not good with numbers, or mm -hmm. oh, I get my bookkeeper to do that, or my accountant to do that, or my husband or wife to do that. And it's sort of like, you know, I want to slap some sense into them. <laughs> excuse, excuse the expression, you know, verbally, I want to say to them, listen, you opened a business, so you need to take ownership of what you've done. And it doesn't mean that you have to turn into some financial genius, but you know those things that we've just talked about, that you know, bullet point list of, I don't know, half a dozen points there or whatever, you know, it's essential that if you're going to open a business, whether it's a business unit of one or you're intending on employing staff, is that you start to get a financial understanding of the world of business. Because if you don't, it's probably going to be your undoing. So, you know, get in there right from the beginning and, and be determined to start to learn this stuff. And if you're, you know, a person who's thinking about this and, and to go to something you just said, Anthony, the, you know, I, I'm going to be an owner, but, you know, I'm not good with numbers. To me, that's akin to a hairdresser saying to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm just starting out, you know, I'm excited about the potential, you know, behind the chair, um, but I'm not good with my hands. <laughs> why, why are you here? So, yeah, exactly. Seriously, why are you here? You know, you need to get good with your hands if you're going to be successful. You need to get good with numbers or find a resource that can help you understand numbers if you're going to make it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I was talking to someone recently. Um, I can't remember who it was, where, where I said this thing to them. And as I said it, I thought, yeah, that's just the right analogy. And we were talking about um, employing a, uh, a manager. And this person had just employed a manager for their salon. And I said to them, you know, would you give them 
a pair of scissors on day one and say your first client's here. And they just laughed at me and said, well, of course not, because, you know, uh, and I said, why? And they said, well, they're not a hairdresser. And so the analogy is, is that, well, why does a hairdresser think they can open a salon and on day one know how to be a manager, whether it's a financial manager or a business manager, a manager of other people, that it's a skill that like anything you need to learn. And just like if you gave that manager a pair of scissors on day one, they would come unstuck pretty quick. Uh, well, if you give a hairdresser a salon and say that you're now responsible to manage this business, however big or small it is, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to come unstuck if they don't have some, you know, financial or some business education. So, you know, that's that's an essential component of it. And again, the same logic we apply to to doing hair, we just need to kind of flip it a little bit, but apply that same logic to to being in business, to to doing all the things we're talking about here. So, um, marketing. That's a big one. So let's let's talk for a minute about that topic. What's your take on it? Um, okay. So it is an area that a lot of hairdressers have a degree of competence in, depending on how you define what marketing is. Um, I always define marketing around uh, that it's a, it, that marketing is about three things. First, it's about attracting new clients. Secondly, it's about turning them into regulars. And third, it's about keeping them as long as possible. As an industry, I think we're really good at the first one, attracting new clients. So, And social media has been an amazing tool, and a lot of hairdressers use it brilliantly to uh, attract a, you know, a, a, a never-ending flow of new clients into their business. But it's the other two things, the uh, turn them into regulars and keep them as long as possible, which is where a lot of them fall down. So, you know, I always say to, to, to you know, people that are going into business on their own, that it is not just, it's not good enough to just have a good following on Instagram and to be good at Instagram or whatever your weapon of choice is in terms of building your business. But you also need to think about what are the skills that you need to develop in order to turn those clients into regulars and keep them coming back as long as possible. And that's about a lot more than just Instagram. That's about, you know, giving clients a great experience and putting the systems and processes in place so that that great experience happens no matter who the client sees. And it's about building professional relationships. And, you know, that that is, you know, that encompasses a, a lot of um, different approaches that are not uh, that, that are more human-centered approaches, not about Instagram and social media and coming from your phone. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, a big and important point. And some people struggle with this word these days, but, you know, our industry is very much about service. And I think when you, especially when you talk to consumers, that's how we, that's how they think of it, you know, that, that we are in a service industry. And so that human connection, and that's, it is critical. And there's nothing wrong with being in a service industry. I mean, it's a great industry and people love their hairdressers, you know, if they have the opportunity to get to know them, which means if they come back for that second and third appointment. So that human stuff is, is so important. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. And you mentioned something earlier where um, you, 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 I don't know if, if you just dropped it on the back of something I was saying, and you said about knowing how to price your services. And, 
you know, that is such an important thing. And, and again, that links in with the marketing thing we just spoke about, that understanding who your target market is. And there's so much misinformation there, uh, out there these days uh, on social media about how people should, you know, price their services and, and what they should charge. And so I think if you're going into business on your own, regardless of what size business that you're starting with, it's really important to understand how to price your services and and what the different models are, you know, and 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 who they work for and who they don't work for. Whether you're talking about the, you know, sort of traditional a la carte menu based pricing option, which is what most salons have, uh, where you where the client pays for every service they have, or perhaps you are thinking about the membership model where people pay a fixed monthly fee that's sort of based on the gym membership, or whether you're doing the time-based model, which is what a lot of people seem to be moving towards at the moment, which is you know where you charge more by the hour. And with all of those different models, there's advantages and disadvantages with each of them. And it's not a case of one being right and the other being wrong. So it's about understanding, you know, what is the best model going to be for you? And then once you decide, you know, what model you're going to have, then working out, okay, so what is my price is going to be for the a la carte menu-based pricing? Or what is my membership model going to be uh, in terms of pricing? Or how much am I going to charge per per hour for my services? And, and again, then that comes back to the whole marketing thing about, well, who is your target market? Who is your ideal client? Where are you located? All of these things start to play into it. So it's a lot more complex than just saying, you know, charge your worth. And uh, and think that that's going to give you a successful business going forward. Well, I think this reminds me also of the importance of role models because you bring up all these various models, and and they're all, I think, really important to understand, especially if you're starting a business, especially in a time with social media when we often hear about quote unquote trends or new ideas or hot ideas that just become um, exciting for many. It's like okay, that's that's different, that's new, that's exciting. I hear lots of people are doing it. But I'll, I'll use hourly pricing as an example. There's been some, I, I think, great examples of success. And there's been even more examples in my mind of failure. And so new idea, very valid idea. But if you're thinking about going down any of these paths, I think you need to, to find a specific role model that you can look at and go, okay, they're doing it. And I can see some commonalities in what I'm about. And I can get to where they're at versus just doing it because it's a, it's a hot idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, that's where you also see how a lot of people, once they put a toe in the water and open their own salon, uh, that eventually, and, and things go well for them, hopefully, uh, and obviously I wish it goes well for everybody. But then I think a lot of them see that the next step is, well, I'm going to employ other people. And in a lot of cases, they uh, will go the rental model because it's just so much easier. There's less risk and it's easier to understand as opposed to having employees. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that people dig in and understand what the different business models are and what the advantages and disadvantages are about each of them and what the laws are, because those laws can vary dramatically uh, from from state to state. And, and also, your success as a salon owner can vary dramatically depending on the model that you have, you know, people on that are uh, working for you in inverted commas. You know, I was just talking to an accountant on 
on my podcast, the episode that will come out next week. And one of the questions I asked her, she's an, an American-based accountant because she specialized in, in the beauty industry. And I said to her, so you look at lots of different salons, which model is the most profitable? And she said, well, head and shoulders, it's the employee-employer-based business model or the commission-based business model uh, is a lot more profitable than salon owners that just fill it out with renters, which in many cases becomes really hard to run a profitable business on that model. So people just need to be better informed and do their homework rather than just always going with the easiest option. And then another like category, which I think, you know, is perfect to dovetail off what you just said is, is just management, which is really a broad topic, right? But but thinking about managing people, again, riffing off what you just talked about, Anthony, the um, managing tenants is very different than managing employees, um, which is very different than managing yourself. I'll, I'll pick those three buckets and have you comment. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll often get people that will say to me, um, I want to have renters, but I want it to be a culture like an employee-based salon. And it just, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There, there are advantages and disadvantages of both of them. But as soon as people say they want it to have the sort of culture of having employees, then the IRS, never mind Anthony, the IRS will say, no, 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 as soon as you're starting to control them, whether it's the prices they charge, the products they used, the hours that they're open, you know, what they wear, et cetera, et cetera, the type of work they do, then they're not a renter, they're an employee. So a lot of people get confused uh, around that. You know, the reality is that when you have renters, they are a uh, they're a self they're self employed they're a business unit of one and the and you can't control them because as soon as you start to control them then you are they are deemed sorry by the IRS uh, in their sort of checklist of points which determines whether someone is um, independent or whether they're an employee uh, and they have a list of like nineteen points etc but essentially they all revolve around that one word of control. And uh, and that's the, the the trap that a lot of people fall into. It's really fascinating. Um, and uh, the opposite side of this is that there's a lot of conversation today, especially online, and, and there's some stuff happening around this idea, which is that people who want to go to work in as employees in a salon, a traditional salon, um, are also looking to be in traditional salons as employees. Um, with complete control over their hours, complete control over their pricing, complete control over everything they do professionally, but under the umbrella of an employment-based salon as an employee. And I can, honestly, I, I'll just add this to that because um, I'm struggling to where that's going to lead us because it's a fairly new idea and I, I think time will tell. But I can't think of another industry where you choose to be an employee and get to be whatever you want to be. Show up when you want to show up. Set your own. It's it's just it's an idea that isn't found anywhere that I can see. And so I would say to anybody who wants that, I'm going to put a big question mark at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just is it is it just absolute naivety? I I don't know. I mean, I look. All you need to do is put some names to some other businesses to to sort of graphically see what a ridiculous idea that is. Can you imagine working at Starbucks as a barista, where you decide when you're going to come and go? You decide what you're going to wear. You decide what you're going to charge. Um, you know, you 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 decide how you're going to make their drink. 
Or can you imagine working at the Apple store and deciding, you know, what, what people are going to pay, right. and yeah. how they're going to pay <laughs> and what hours you're going to work? It's just it's just ludicrous. It's na- it's naivety. And I'm all for thinking about how we need to accommodate more freedom and more flexibility. I'm I'm all for that because I think that the the traditional commission-based business model is is broken in many ways. And I think that one of the things that's been happening over the last you know few years as people have been sort of really pushing at the seams and 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 trying to reinvent what it means to you know to be a uh, an, an independent and and go out into salon suites and different versions of the business unit of one or the freelance model is that that the commission based salon has had to step back and look at them and go okay what can I learn from that because the reason that part of the industry is growing is because without a doubt it definitely fulfills some of the needs of employees but you can get to the point where you push it so far that it's just broken. And the example that you just gave of having people that want to be employees, they want to be under that umbrella or safety net of being an employee, but they want to do everything the way they want to do it, work the hours they want to work, charge the prices they want to charge, et cetera, use the products they want to use. It's it's you're just trying to too hard to make something work, which I can't see how it can work. And as you said, I can't think of another industry that even comes close to, you know, making that work. Yeah. Which goes back to your opening statement, you know, about the fact that, you know, when you go into business, you know, you're a business that happens to be a salon, which also kind of says to me that gives us an opportunity to look outside of our own industry at other quote unquote businesses. Um, all right. So we're, we have more buckets I think we could talk about in Phil, but we're out of time for today. So Anthony, I want to have you back another time for sure, because I, I think this is a great conversation. But I, I also want to say to the audience, before I ask you my last question, that we're talking about all this um, to encourage those who want to go into business for themselves, which I believe is the majority of people in the industry, to do it in a responsible way for themselves um, and for those around them, whether it's their family, whether it's coworkers, whether it's a team they want to build. Because... Being an owner is an amazing opportunity, but just like being a great hairdresser, there's things you need to learn. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And so that that would be my final message with people. If they, they want to open a salon of their own, fantastic, um, but get business savvy and get business savvy before you you know sign on the dotted line. Um, get business savvy and learn to understand the, the language of business, learn to understand the numbers because- in reality, it's not maybe as difficult as what you might have been led to believe. And a little bit of education can save an awful lot of heartache and an awful lot of money in the process. So uh, do that and have some good mentors and you know belong to some good associations, et cetera. And you know, have have a, a mindset of constantly evolving and constantly want to learn more, and you will hopefully succeed. Love every bit of that. That's a perfect answer to the last question, which I didn't ask you, but you you answered it, which is your best advice for us to end on. Anybody you know who listens to me regularly knows I, I'm just such a huge fan of, of the work that you do, Anthony, and all the resources that you have out there. So just take a quick moment to explain Grow My Salon Business to the audience, because I'd recommend everybody listen to your podcast, everybody check out your content, your website. You just got such good, good education. So give us a 30-second, you know, here's what Grow My Salon Business is. We are a 
online, primarily, uh, business education company. I'm a, I'm a hairdresser, but I, as you mentioned, I have a, a, a series of books. I do a series of online courses. Uh, I do a weekly podcast. I do a, a YouTube video channel. And it is, although I am a hairdresser, um, it's all very much about the business side of succeeding in the hairdressing industry. Good stuff. And again, I recommend everybody check it out, growmysalonbusiness.com and the same on social and the same on the podcast. And Anthony Whitaker, always a pleasure to have you on any podcast that I'm doing um, and sometimes a guest on yours. So, so thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure, Gordon. As always, it's a, a, an honor to be on your podcast. And I, I love how you keep reinventing yourself and, and coming back at it with uh, a different slant on the business of beauty. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, and to the audience, I would say, Again, follow Anthony. Um, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and or a review. Hit the subscribe button. Um, of course, best yet is to share with a colleague, pay it forward, help others to find the podcast. Lastly, this has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from BeautyCast Network. Um, be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. I'm Gordon Miller. Cannot wait to share more with you again next time. 